0: Good morning. Today is actually a special day in the life of our church. We have elected a new bishop, Doug Scharf, who is the rector of the Church of the Good Shepherd in Tequesta. When I was first ordained, the first church I served was St. Mark's in Palm Beach Gardens, and the Church of the Good Shepherd was our companion parish, so I know it well. And so I thought that this morning I would do something a little different and not talk about the lessons that we have heard. After all, you always have the poor with you. But instead, talk about the church and particularly about bishops. Bishops are especially important to us as Episcopalians. And as Episcopalians, we believe that bishops are also important to the church. The word episcopal, in fact, means bishop. For us, bishops are the successors of the apostles. This is a biblical belief too. You may remember that after Jesus ascended into heaven into the eternal presence of God, that the book of Acts tells us that the disciples set about to elect a successor of Judah, for Judah, a successor of Judas so that the number of the apostles might be complete. Peter quotes from the Psalms, which says in the NRSV version, let another take his position of overseer. In Greek, the word overseer is episkope, which the King James Version translates as bishopric. This is the first instance of apostolic succession And it shows us that the importance of apostolic succession was recognized in the earliest days of the church within the New Testament itself. In fact, if you turn to the back of the Book of Common Prayer to the section of historical documents of the church to the Chicago Lambeth Quadrilateral, you will see that the historic episcopate is one of the four essential parts of the sacred deposit of the Christian faith, along with the Bible, the creeds, and the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist that the Anglican communion has identified as the basis for our conversation with other Christian churches. In fact, each bishop from Matthias who succeeded Judas to our own bishop has been consecrated by the laying on of hands by at least three other bishops in an unbroken chain of apostolic succession. Historically, the Apostles organized their mission to the world around two institutions, which they found ready at hand. One was the Jewish synagogue, literally congregation, which provided a ready audience for their message. Each synagogue was led by a council of elders or presbyteroi. We get our word Presbyter and Presbyterian from it. These congregations were scattered throughout the Jewish diaspora in Roman administrative districts that were called dioceses. Each diocese had an episcopate, an overseer or bishop. So the apostles. Drew upon the existing structure of dioceses and congregations, overseers and elders to organize and oversee the church's mission. Samuel Seabury was the first elected American bishop of the Episcopal Church. He was elected Bishop of Connecticut in 1783. But since there were no Church of England bishops in America to consecrate him, he sailed to England. But Parliament was a little miffed at us at the time and wouldn't agree to consecrate him. So we went to Scotland. The Church of Scotland is actually Presbyterian. The Anglican Church in Scotland is called the Episcopal Church of Scotland. So the Scottish bishops agreed to consecrate Bishop Seabury, provided that we would call ourselves the Episcopal Church of the United States, and that we would use the Eucharistic prayer from the Scottish prayer book, not the English Book of Common Prayer, which, is, which we do in Rite 1, the prayer that is familiar to you all. The Scottish Episcopal Church and we ourselves call ourselves the Episcopal Church to distinguish us, in fact, from the Presbyterian Church because we believe that the basic unit of the church is the bishop and the diocese. Not the congregation and presbyters. We honor our indebtedness to Scotland in the cross of Saint Andrew, that is a part of our shield and our flag, and also in the numerous Episcopal churches that are called Saint Andrews. So, one that I served in Boca Raton for many years. Why does all this matter? Well, first, because it reminds us that the church is not a voluntary organization. We're not just a group of people who got together and decided to worship Jesus. Instead, the risen Christ appointed apostles and sent them to all nations to preach the gospel And we are an Ecclesia, an assembly that has been literally called out of the world to hear and respond to the good news of the gospel proclaimed by apostles and their successors. Secondly, bishops are responsible for the unity and pastoral oversight of the church as it carries out the great commission of Jesus. In fact, along with the creeds and the sacraments, holy orders of ministry are one of the elements of tradition that we recognize as one of the three sources of authority along with scripture and reason for our knowledge of the event of revelation that is the death and resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we proclaim and which we confess. Let me show you how it works. Because the Christian faith is founded on an historical event, the farther you get away from that event in time and distance, the more important it is to have reliable witnesses and a reliable means to hand on their witness to those who were not there at the time. So the church developed a list of holy scriptures, creeds, and rites. But suppose, as some actually said, that Jesus had some other teaching, some secret teaching that is not in the scriptures and in fact are so secret that they were not listed in the creeds or celebrated publicly. Shouldn't we pay attention to them even if what they said contradicts the Bible and the creeds? Well, okay, the church said. After all, we know That Jesus didn't tell the crowds everything. And St. John says that if all the things that Jesus said and done and did were to be collected, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them all. So, who would Jesus have told those things to? Well, clearly, he would have told them to his disciples, the apostles. And who would they have told them to? Their successors. So apostolic succession is important for the continuity of the gospel tradition. One last thing. The election of a bishop is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit. The apostles cast lots for Matthias. We elect by secret ballots with a majority of both houses, clergy and lay voting in the majority for the same candidate on the same ballot. I have been a finalist in four Episcopal elections. That's another story. (laughs) My experience has been that the process from the initial interviews to the final vote is a deeply prayerful and spiritual one. Sometimes there have been hot button issues which occupy the attention of the church or the press. But within the selection process itself, I've found nominating committees candidates and delegates to be sincere and non-political and the process ultimately mysterious and holy. So, let us pray for Doug, our new bishop, and pray that the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may be with us all forevermore. Amen.